Solomon and Lee. Solomon. <laughs> um, they led the church from 2009 yeah. to 2021. Yes. Yeah. Um, they were an absolute blessing to us. We are here because of what they planted and did here with God. Um, they wrestled with, for this building. They fought for the souls of every person that's here. And so we are their inheritance. And so I want to bless you with that. And they are now in Abba in Saudi. Um, they have a retreat there, and I'm sure you'll share more with us about that. So can we pray for you and bless you? Yeah? yeah? All right. Father, I just want to thank you for Solomon and Lee. I want to thank you, Lord, just for the incredible obedience and the surrender to you. And that we are a product of what they sowed and what they planted and what they sacrificed in obedience to you, Father. Father, I just thank you for just this incredible picture of what legacy looks like. And Father, I pray, Lord, that as Solomon preaches this morning, would you rest, him in, rest on him, Holy Spirit. Would you bless them and fill them? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Do you want to say hello? (laughs) Thank you so much. It's so good to be with you again. Thank you for the opportunity, Ray, to share. Um, I'm going to share a message that that I've never shared uh, because of an event that happened to me. And... uh, yeah, I, I ask, um, maybe we, we must just take a, a few seconds and pray for what I'm about to share. I, I want to ask you to just ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to talk to you, to speak to you, to come and to anoint uh, me in, in the words that I share to you. So let's do that. Let's bow. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are alive, that you are speaking, that you are building your church. I pray that you come this morning and uh, through your spirit, just share what is on your heart for us. Amen. Um, I want to ask that you turn in your Bibles to Luke 12. So, on the 21st of August this year, uh, I had a dream, and uh, in this dream, I was in a very small room, and I was a spectator in the room. I was sitting next, uh, on the wall, and there was a, a table in the middle, very small table, and Jesus was sitting at the table, and it was like a situation room. It was like a planning room. And uh, I I don't know what it was about, but he got up from the table, he gathered his papers in his hand, and he started walking towards the door. And as he got to the door, he turned around and he looked at me, and he said, pray that things will not escalate into a third world war. And then I woke up. And uh, I've been thinking about this and... uh, thinking about this dream for quite some time. Of course, at that time, it was before October 7, and so it was not related to this, well, at that time when I I heard it, it was not related to the situation in Israel. But now, with what happened on the 7th of October, it's much more relevant to the, the environment that we are in. 
I find that word incredibly uh, encouraging in two ways. I find it encouraging that it is not on the Lord's heart, it's not on Christ's heart for war. He does not want war. People want war. And I think we as Christians must be very careful because we read prophecy and we read Ezekiel 38 that we want to push war. In the First World War, they say uh, probably 18 million people died. And in the Second World War, 60 million people died. So what will the Third World War look like? They once asked Einstein, what will be the weapons of the Third World War? He said, I don't know, but the weapons of the Fourth World War will be sticks and stones. And so it says something about the, the ability of mankind to obliviate themselves. And he doesn't want that. The second and more encouraging thing for me is that that indicates that we have the ability to stop it. Do you believe that? We have the ability through prayer through different things that we do to hold that back. And he wants us to hold it back. It may come later and it may come at a time where we are no longer around. But for now, we need to resist it and stand against it. What's it going to cost? It's going to cost faithfulness on our part. And... uh, This may be not an easy message, but I I want to encourage you to open yourself up to to God to speak to us this morning. And he speaks to me. Because, you know, I've said this to you before. Our biggest weakness, our biggest weakness is ourselves. As we fall into things that we should not fall into because we do not stay close to him. And I think in this season, the call for me is be faithful to what I call you to. Be faithful with my church. Be faithful in prayer. And so if we look at, uh, at uh, Luke 12, I'm going to read from verse 35. And uh, it is this call, it says the... the, the um, the heading in my Bible is a call to faithful stewardship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a few uh, scriptures, I'm, I'm probably three or four, and I, I just want to say I, I'm not introducing something new. But I, I, uh, we have been uh, in the region for uh, 25 years We were in Dubai for 11 years. We were here in Bahrain for 11 years. And we're now three years in Saudi. And the Lord has done things to us uh, and lead us in ways that uh, is is maybe, it is unique in the calling that he gave us, if I can say it like that. We uh, we went uh, in uh, 2021 to Jeddah. We relocated to Jeddah and we knew that God wanted us to do a retreat center. But uh, it was clear that that was not the place for it. 
so the Lord spoke to us about the mountains, and, and when Jesus retreated, he went into the mountains. And we started looking at the mountains, and there was two places where um, it could be. The one was in the north at Mount Sinai, and if you ever have an opportunity to go there, it's the real thing. Uh, in Exodus 3, it talks about Midian, and there's only one place on earth that's Midian, and that's that area where Moses uh, lived with his father-in-law and, of course, with his wife. Um, but, uh, and then there was another place, another uh, place, the highest mountain in Saudi, Suda Mountain in the south, so about two hours from, um, from Yemen. And we, uh, we decided on that, uh, I, I believe also with the Lord's leading, but also because of the infrastructure that's really well developed. And uh, what I'm going to share with you is not something that I just cook up. It, it is really, it's really what we walk in. And uh, the intercession, I, I thought it's more for the church, but I, more and more I believe that God has called us to a life of intercession. And that means we stand before him um, and stand on his word in times when everything points to the opposite. That's not always easy to do, but you have to remind yourself and and God speaks to us. I, I, I don't know if you have a journal. If you don't have a journal, I would encourage you to get a journal. That you go and sit on, on the Lord's lap in the morning and write down the things that he speaks to you. Because he doesn't change his mind. Some of the things that he spoke to us 30 years ago, he's still bringing to fulfillment. Because he's true to his word. And the things that we've heard over the last two years and what is on his heart for nations and on his heart for his church is mind-blowing for me. And we want to remind him daily, Lord, just I, we don't have the ability to fulfill your word, but we want to remind you of your word. And like Isaiah 55 says, nothing will fall, nothing will fail. He will fulfill his word. And so this is a call to stewardship. Verse 35, get dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. Be like people waiting for their master to come back from the wedding celebration so that when he comes back and knock, they can immediately open the door for him. And so I want to encourage you this morning. I encourage myself. If there's anything in your life that hinders your ministry or your work, walk with Christ, get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Anything, whether it's coffee or TV or drugs or pornography, anything. Because we cannot afford to be half-half with God anymore. He has called us to stand in a, in a time that the world is going into war. But we cannot stand if we are weak spiritually. Where's, there's a girl, are they here, yeah, the team? Are they with the youth? Okay. Blessed are those slaves whom their master found alert when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve and have them take their seats at the table. Now, that is amazing. 
at the time of this celebration is we are not the stewards. We are not the servants at this celebration. The Lord is the servant. And I want to live my life so that I can be at that table and, and experience this service, how do you say, service from the Lord. Because who will he serve? He will serve his people. Those who did well. Those who fought and stood for him. We are not going to serve him. He will serve us. I think these things, you know, I, I will share a bit later just about eternity. And I'm getting closer to eternity than ever before. I'm 60. We are 60 and, and Lee is 61. And so we know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lee. I, it's, a, it's just a few months, though. It's not a, it's not a big thing. But I, 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 don't, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste. I, I, I love the song. I heard the song a while ago of Psalm 90. Is number your days. And I'm, we are really numbering our days. Lord, soon. Soon it's going to be over. And I don't want to waste time. I don't want to dabble in sin. Secret things that I do. Secret thoughts that I entertain that's not His. And we all struggle with it. Can I tell? I know, men. I know you. Because I know myself. You have to capture, take capture of thoughts that are not from God. And especially thoughts about women. You have to capture them. You cannot enjoy, you cannot go into a fantasy for a while. Because the Lord will stop what he's doing until you deal with that thing. Even if he comes in the second or the third watch of the night and finds them alert, blessed are those slaves. And this is not the slaves here is doulos, and it's not slaves bought, it's slaves bought and set free. It's a bond slave. And then the slave decided to stay with the master because he loves him. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready. Can I say this as strongly as I can this morning to you? You must be ready for his return. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Then Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or for everyone? And it's interesting that the Lord did not answer his question. Who is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his household? Uh, his household servants to give them their allowance of food at the proper time. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds at work when he returns. I tell you the truth, the master will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Is it worthwhile being faithful to Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely. The reward that's waiting for us, if we do that, is amazing. And you know, the scary thing for me 
is that I stand here today and I'm encouraging you to do it and I don't do it myself. Because sin is always at the door. Solomon, this is for you. Be ready at all times. The servant, uh, sorry, all of his possessions, but uh, verse 45, but if that slave should say to himself, my master is delayed in returning, and he begins to beat the other slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. Now, I, I don't think here we, we have the problem of physical beating. But you know what we have a problem with many times is beating with our mouth and gossip. Gossip that has no value. Gossip about people that we don't even know if it's true or not. I want to read you just, uh, I don't know if you're aware of what's happening at, uh, at IHOP, uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Yeah, I get. Thank you. She also corrects my tenses, so just <laughs> because she's older. <laughs> Ray said it. <laughs> Thank you, Leaky. You know, um, I, I, I follow the IHOP, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. They are an amazing movement of prayer for the world. But a few weeks ago, the leader was just in one day, he was taken out because of accusations of sexual sin. And he decided that he will no longer minister publicly or go to the prayer room or do any ministry until this investigation is complete. Now, at the moment, this investigation is not complete and, it, and there is not a final conclusion. But I want to read you what they said in the report. The report of the initial findings is precisely that, an initial assessment. It is not an exoneration of Mr. Bickle. The report stated very clearly that IHOPKC attorneys and had limited information and would not be able to perform any further investigation until it could interview witnesses with first-hand information. Or until the complaint group has willing to present evidence or any details about the anonymous Jane Doe's. What does it mean? Let me continue to read. Our leadership team was presented with allegations in the form of stories told by third persons. With the exception of one victim stating regarding allegations from 20 plus years ago that was read out loud by the husband, the group did not, represent, or did not present any first-hand information or evidence to substantiate the stories. What happened? Gossip. Now, I don't say everything is gossip, but to a large extent, I, you know, what was really interesting is that when October 7th happened, a few days afterwards, Mike Bickle started prophetically teaching about what's happening in Israel. The next day he was taken out. Now, I, I don't know if he's innocent or guilty. 
that we will know in future. But I just realize again the power, the negative power of gossip that can take somebody out, out of a strategic moment. I, I'm amazed at their ministry. In, in March, they had a prayer for Israel. They, they did the prayer for IHOP and their affiliates. And in the end, five million people joined into that prayer. 20 day, one day, 21 days of prayer and fasting for Israel, which I think was the preparation of what's happening now. And so, I think, I, I, don't, I don't know where you are, but be careful with your mouth. Be careful for what you say about people. Be careful how you speak about others. If you don't have anything good to say, then rather zip it. And that's for me as well. Then that master, when they eat and drink and get drunk, then that master of that slave will come on a day that he does not expect him and in an hour that he does not foresee. Now listen to this. This is not Old Testament. This is Jesus speaking. And will cut him into two and will assign him a place with the unfaithful. Man, this is just, I don't know if I fully understand it, but it just, it, it scares me to death. I don't want to play around with your grace. I don't want to play around with salvation. I don't want to play around with your church. I want to be faithful to you, God. Help us to do that. That we will burn for you. That we will rid ourselves of everything that's in the way for you. A servant who now knew his master's will but did not get it ready or do what his master asked will be receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know his master's will and did things worthy of punishment will receive a lighter beating. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be asked. We have been entrusted much, and we will give an account for much. The reason why I want to start with the scripture, and I, I, I want to move on quickly, is just this call to faithfulness, because I, I believe we cannot really make a difference in the world if we are compromised spiritually. And I want to leave it there. I want to go to the next scripture, and the next scripture is in 2 Thessalonians 2. This is probably one of the scriptures that is the clearest of the uh, scriptures in, in the Bible about the Antichrist. I want to read it to you. Now, I don't want to go into the, all the predictions. Uh, I, I'm going to also read a scripture from Revelation. I just want to say these scriptures, and especially the book of Revelation, was not given to, to understand somewhere in future something that will happen. It was given to seven churches. They read the book. They were encouraged by the book, and it was for them. And the same it is for us today. And John makes a statement in Revelation 1, and he says, Blessed is the one 
the ones that read this book and obey the book. And therefore, I want to encourage you to read it and obey it because there are really important things in that book for us as his church today. It is not a scary book. Two Thessalonians 2 verse 1. Now regarding the arrival of the Lord Christ, Jesus Christ, and our being gathered to be with him, we ask your brothers and sisters not to be easily shaken from your composure or disturbed by any kind of spirit or message or letter alleging from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. What is the day of the Lord? It is the day that when Jesus returns and he will gather us to be with him, the rapture. That day has not happened yet, but that day is going to happen. Because many scriptures talk about that day. Matthew talked about the day. One, there will be two. One will be taken and one will be left behind. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not arrive until the rebellion comes and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So this says clearly that the rapture will not happen until the Antichrist is revealed. Now they were Antichrists, and they are crises, yeah, in the past, but there will be one total rebellion, and I believe this rebellion is not a church rebellion, but it is a rebellion of the world against God, and it's increasing. If you can look around, around you. Verse 4, he opposes and exalts himself above, above every so-called God or object of worship. And as a result, he takes his seat in God's temple. And so this has never happened before. There's been, um, they, they refer to something that happened in 70 AD where an altar was built by the Roman emperor in the temple. But um, this said that he, the emperor didn't take his seat in the temple. So it's not yet fulfilled. It never happened before. Jesus refers to this as well in Matthew 25. And as a result, he takes his seat in God's temple, displaying himself as God. Surely you recall that I used to tell you these things while I was still with you. And so you know that what holds him back. Now, I, I wanna, this is the reason why I want to read this scripture. is Something is holding him back. The same thing that I believe Jesus said to me in my dream. Who holds him back? The church holds him back. The prayer of the saints holds him back. Is it exciting or not? Who holds back Iran? We hold them back. I remember in 2011, we had the the Arab uprising where you're here, Fadi. And uh, it, it was sure that this country was going into the sewer. They even, they even printed money for the new government, the Islamic Republic of Bahrain at that time. And the churches stood up and said, this will not happen in this nation. Of course, I mean, the government also stood up. The king also stood up. But the church has said, this will not happen in this land. 
this land will not go Islamic. And in some ways, the decision that the churches and the prayers of the churches at that time is the freedom that we live in today. Amazing. But now we are calling to a bigger challenge. A challenge of a world war. And it's up to us to hold it back. So that, uh, however, the one who holds him back will do so until he is taken out of the way. What does that mean? I think there's two ways. I I, I don't want to interpret this scripture because I think there's two ways that the one that's holding back the Antichrist can be taken out of the way. The one is through persecution. If you kill all the Christians, then they are taken out of the way. But the other one, of course, is the rapture. I've shared this with a few people, and I want to leave this for your own interpretation, because I don't believe that the Antichrist can kill all the Christians. I don't think it's possible to do that. And so it probably refers to the rapture. So the church will hold back evil in the world until the day that they are no longer in the world. That's you. And that's me. I'm calling you this morning to action. I'm calling myself to action. Because it is really difficult to do this. And the reason why it's difficult is nobody's paying you to do this. You can't see the reward. You can't see exactly the results when you do it. But it is essential for the church to do this. To resist evil as strongly as you can. To tell the devil you will not, you will not destroy One thing that shifted for me over the years um, in this regard is uh, before we came to Bahrain, we did not really understand the full impact of the blood of Jesus. But as we came, and especially towards the end of our time in Bahrain, the Lord really showed us the power of the blood of Christ. And therefore, if I ask you this morning this question, what is the clearest scripture in the Bible that tells you that you have victory over Satan. Anybody wants to try? Yeah. Yeah. So where is that? Revelation 12, verse 11. They overcame him through the blood of the Lamb. I, I don't know what that means to you and how you pray that. I will leave it with you. What we do, the way we pray is we press the blood of Jesus into situations where he is not king. And there's a shift. I can, I can tell you how many times we have just seen things change when you start doing that. And it's not a battle. It's not that you fight the devil for three months and try to get rid of him. I want to read you something that... One guy wrote a book about the blood of Christ. He says this, sorry, Lee. I'm still sniffing. 
in this book he says, for example, many believers tell me that Satan continues to oppress and harass them. It comes as a surprise when I tell them that I have not experienced any demonic oppression on my life since I began asking God in prayer to cover me with his blood. Satan has no answer for that sacrifice. And when we press the blood of Jesus into situations, Satan has no answer. It's not a battle. We capture that situation for Christ. Now I hope that you will agree with me. I want to capture the situation in Gaza for Christ today. It's so important that we do not take sides in this battle. Because both parties are lost. And Christ shed his blood for both. His word and his promise to Abram and, and the future of Israel is unchangeable. That's what Romans 11 tells us. But let's not take sides. Like when the commander came to Joshua, and he, uh, Joshua asked him, Who are you for, our enemies or for us? He says, Neither. I'm here as the Lord's commander. Now I want to pray like that for Gaza. I want to pray, I want to press the blood of Jesus into this nation that life, a, a better future will come to this nation. That the killing, the stealing, and destroying will stop in this nation. And maybe, if possible, that they provoke Israel to jealousy. However, the one who holds him back will do so until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will destroy by the breath of his mouth and wipe out by the manifestation of his arrival. The arrival of the lawless one will be by Satan's working with all kinds of miracles and signs and wonders. I'll, I'll leave, uh, you can read that, it's really interesting. But the, the main thing that I wanted to just touch on is something is holding him back. And I believe it is the church. In that regard, we can be very aggressive. We can tell the enemy, you will not. You will not. We had a friend that visited us two weeks ago and told us about what's happening in Sudan. And he said it's much worse than Gaza. They've just killed more than 700 Christians in Darfur. What will hold it back? The church, our prayers. Many times, I, 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 uh, I, I'm not sure that you're aware, but the dam broke in Libya a while ago, and how many thousand? Ten, more than 10,000 people died. Do you know about that? The news, there's so much disaster in the world that the news are not hardly covering it anymore. But you know how we hear is because there's people in that nation that stands for that nation, stands for Christ. They tell us the stories. The church is strong. <laughs> Can you turn in your Bible? I think I want to just finish with two scriptures. 
The one scripture is in Revelation 11, and it talks about the two witnesses. Now, there's much speculation about who they are. I, I have uh, studied this for many years, and I want to tell you this morning that you are these two witnesses. These two witnesses, that's God's voice on the earth. And Jesus says about them, I will grant my two witnesses authority to prophesy for 1,260 days, dressed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire comes out of their mouths to completely consume their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, they must be killed this way. These two have the power to close up the sky so that it does not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have the power to turn water into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague whenever they want. And when they have completed their testimony, the beast that comes out from the abyss will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. Who are they? We are. These two witnesses clearly refers to Moses and Elijah, refers to the word of God. And in Revelation, you see this many times referring. John says that I was on the island of Patmos for two reasons, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. What is that? It's this book. This is the word of God and the testimony of Christ. And when he talks about the two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, it's the word that's in us. And you have the ability to speak fire. Can I tell you, you have the ability to speak fire. If Christ touched you, you have the ability to speak fire over situations. Use it. Don't tell him, I have not been to seminary and I have not done this and I have not done that. Each one has been given this authority. And the authority comes directly from Christ to you. He didn't give it to pastors. He didn't give it. He gave it to his people. And there are places where you have to just speak. Like when this nation wanted to go down the, into the pits. We had to say, no, in the name of Christ, will not happen. I want to tell you finally a, a story. I have a friend, and he's become a, a dear friend in uh, in Saudi. He is the leader of uh, a mosque in Jeddah. He has three wives and eleven children. We met him, and we've had quite a few meals with him and with his family. Very friendly, and he sends me videos every as often as he can to convert me to Islam. <laughs> and he's very, very aggressive, but I love him. And about two weeks ago, I sent him, I've only ever sent him one video. You probably sent me about a hundred, but. I sent him one video 
about two weeks ago of the scourging or the flogging of Christ as it is portrayed in the Passion. And uh, a while, a few minutes later, he came back and he said, is this Jesus? And I said, yes. And he said, why did he suffer so much? And it came to the conclusion, I had to explain to him, is that he is the savior of the world. He is the Messiah. And he suffered for you, shed his blood for you. We had a long discussion about that. You know what was the end of that discussion? He said to me, I don't need a savior and I don't need to be saved. Now I have a problem. Because there's going to be one of two conversations in future. Him and I will stand before Christ together and Christ is going to ask him, why did you reject my blood and my suffering? Or he can say, you accepted by faith the message that was given to you coming to my glory. This may sound arrogant to you, but I am not prepared for the first discussion. And I've said to the Lord, do whatever you want to him. Because I have worsened his condition. Do you agree? Because he could have stood before Christ and said, I didn't know about your blood. I didn't know about your sacrifice. And it would have been easier for him. But when I told him, I've made it worse for him. Pray for him. It took me six years to pray for my friend to come to the Lord. And while I'm alive, I'm going to do this for him. Say, so, Lord, you have to save him now. You have to reveal to him that he's lost. You have to reveal your sacrifice and your blood to him. Because there's nothing further I can do. This is our message. It's our message to Israel. It's our message to Gaza. It's our message to the Palestinian. He shed his blood for every person. Everyone is precious. And this is our task. This is what we represent. We do not represent a nation. We do not represent our own nation. We represent the king. And we share the message of the king with them. I want to read just this in closing. This is not really applicable to him, to his situation, because he did not. This is applicable to somebody that re, re, received the message but rejected it later. But it says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, and I believe this keep on sinning is the sin of unbelief, if we keep on rejecting it, no further sacrifice for sin is left, but only a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume God's enemies. Someone who rejected the law of Moses what was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, how much greater 
punishment do you think that person deserves who has contempt for the Son of God and profaned the blood of the covenant? It's tough. And made him that made him holy and insult the Spirit of grace. And then it says later, it says, it is terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I don't want to scare you this morning. I hope you're not scared. I, it's not my intention. Because if you, if you have placed your faith in the blood, it is enough. Man, if I, I, would, if I were to be just judge on my actions or my thoughts, I will go to hell ten times over, a hundred times over. It is only by the blood the blood de- declares me righteous forever. I have nothing else to stand on. I hope you hear that. And that you can, you can rest in the sacrifice of Christ for you. It is enough. But it's not only enough for you, it's enough for every person on earth. And maybe you will just have one friend like I have that God will give you. Make, make a good job of that. Share when you have the opportunity. Pray like there's no tomorrow. Pray for this third world war that's the, the world is, is, is escalating towards. We can stop it. Let's pray for it. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the authority that you've given us. Thank you for your blood. I don't know 